There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. What's going on, everyone? It's Wednesday, August 3rd. I'm Zachary Crockett. I'm here with Rob Litterst, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. On today's show, inflation is at a 40-year high, but American corporations posted 50-year high profits last quarter. How is it possible that the largest companies in the world are reaping immense rewards while many American workers are struggling to afford the cost of living? Rob's going to break it all down for you. But before we get into that, let's do the news. The FTC hit real estate platform Opendoor with a $62 million fine, saying that it used deceptive marketing practices to trick homeowners into selling to Opendoor for less than they would have made through the open market. Opendoor is a so-called iBuying firm. That means they use an algorithm to determine a home's price, and then they buy it in cash. And Opendoor apparently showed sellers charts promising them thousands more than they'd get from an agent, which turned out to be fiction. In other slap-on-the-wrist news, the New York Department of Financial Services fined Robinhood's crypto unit $30 million, saying that the company failed to take proper security and anti-money laundering measures. It's not Robinhood's first ride on the fine rodeo. Back in 2020, it forked over $65 million to the SEC for providing misleading information to customers. And last year, it was slapped with a $70 million fine from the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority for harming customers with insufficient trading supervision. Despite the cooling economic environment, Simon Property Group, that's America's largest mall operator, said its occupancy rate in June finished at 93.9%, up 2.1% year over year. And lastly, Uber's latest quarterly earnings report dropped yesterday, and despite the inflation and slowing economy, the company more than doubled its revenue from the same period last year. It's also now cash flow positive with $382 million in free cash flow. And on that news, Uber stock was up 17% yesterday. And that piece of news is kind of a perfect example of what we're talking about today. We're all feeling the heat from inflation. We're paying more for food at the grocery store. We're paying more for airline tickets, rent, utilities, cleaning products. Life is just pricier right now. So it seems like in times like this, everyone should be doing their part to ease the cost of living burden a little bit. But some surprising data came out recently that U.S. corporations are posting enormous profits, and that obviously raises some eyebrows. So, Rob, I want to start with the numbers here. What kind of corporate profit boost are we talking? These numbers are pretty crazy, Zach. This year, corporate profits are up 25% year over year, which is a 50-year high. Huh. And most people probably don't know that, right? But they probably do know that inflation right now is at 9.1% mm -hmm. or a 40-year high. So really crazy. I mean, corporate profits being up right now while everybody is kind of struggling to pay the bills isn't exactly a good look for corporate America. Right. And and we just came off 
probably, you know, a 10 plus year bull run, which saw some of the highest corporate profits in history. It's higher than that even. Yeah, which is really surprising. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to understand how this could possibly be happening when you look at the stock market and you see that so many stocks have taken an absolute beating this year. So I think it's kind of important to remember that, you know, profits are only kind of one piece of that picture of what's going on in the stock market hmm. because things just don't seem to be as bad as you otherwise might assume if you just looked at a stock's ticker and saw their performance year to date. So this is kind of a, a really strange paradox to a lot of people. Inflation is at a 40-year high. Corporate profits are also at a 50-year high. It just doesn't really make any sense on paper. One possible explanation here is something called greedflation. You want to break that down for us? Yeah, exactly. So I think on this podcast, Zach, you and me have talked about skimpflation. We've talked about shrinkflation. You're right. And so greedflation is kind of the last in, in that holy trinity of <laughs> shit things that companies can do during inflation periods. Basically, greedflation is when corporations use inflation as an excuse to raise prices. And this economist, Rakeen Maboud, talks about how this practice relies on exploiting information asymmetry. And if that just sounds like gibberish to you, here's how it actually works. So basically, in periods of inflation, consumers start to become accustomed to increased prices for all sorts of goods in their life, right? Mm -hmm. You talked about rents, gas prices, groceries, all that stuff. So they start to just attribute price increases to inflation. Or in this case, there are other factors too, like the supply chain issues, the war in Ukraine. Right. Those are all contributing to kind of the current price situation in macroeconomic environment. Right. But what happens is corporations essentially use this window to raise prices in an effort to boost their profits, even if their own cost profile hasn't really changed much. Yeah, okay. So in other words, they're kind of hiding their price increase behind the guise of inflation or supply chain issues or whatever else is going on when really they just want to boost profits and show their shareholders something cool. Ah, sure. Okay. Are there any examples of this playing out in the real world? Totally. Rakim Maboud, the economist that I cited earlier, talks about how credit card companies are really coming under fire right now. I think as recently as May, retailers called out Visa and MasterCard who had mm -hmm. raised their transaction fees, even though their costs haven't been impacted by any of the things mentioned above. <laughs> so maybe there's some inflationary pressure on them or something, but obviously a credit card company doesn't really have anything to do with supply chain issues. It's not like they're waiting on some tech or, or some supplies or something for their business right. model, right? It's just not really what's going on there. And the interesting thing here is obviously this is kind of like a B2B price increase where Visa and MasterCard are raising the prices on retailers, but retailers want to be very, very careful to call them out because they don't want to get blamed when they raise prices in response for consumers because consumers are the ones that tend to complain and they're eventually going to complain about retailers. So this was essentially an act of retailers trying to kind of get ahead of the narrative and kind of trying to call out Visa and MasterCard before the pressure hit them. Hmm. You know, as you said, there are some very real factors that actually are driving up the prices of goods. You know, supply chains have been a mess. Raw goods are just more expensive. Totally. I'm thinking of like the most simple traditional case, like if the price of lumber goes up, the furniture maker is going to have to, you know, raise their prices a little bit. So there is a fair case to justify some of those price hikes. It's just that when those troubles cool off and, you know, the cost of production goes back down to normal again, they're still staying up high and they're passing on those uh, high costs to us still. Oh, 100%. And yeah, you made a really good point, Zach. I think it's important to call out that not every price increase is 
just price gouging, right? Like there are definitely some businesses out there right now that are struggling and they are kind of passing along their increased costs to customers. I mean, I'm not going to like champion McDonald's, but McDonald's has rising prices for a lot of their food. And they recently, I think, raised the prices of some of their sandwiches in the UK for the first time in like years. So not everybody is doing this for sure. But to your point, I mean, after these kind of periods of trouble pass, a lot of the time these prices stay high. And one of the really interesting things is how companies are super, super open about this stuff on earnings calls. And because a lot of the public doesn't listen to earnings calls, they're not hearing this, Mm -hmm. but like they essentially say these things that they're kind of hiding behind because they're talking primarily to shareholders and they're telling them all about their strategy and all about how they're going to maximize their investment and maximize their returns. And so he cites companies like 3M and Constellation Brands, which I believe makes Modelo and Corona, as just talking about how they have all this pricing power and how they can continue to raise their prices higher and higher. And that's happened in recent (laughs) earnings calls. And there's no real cost factor that's going into that, at least the way that they were talking about it in these earnings calls. It's really just they're talking to shareholders about how they can continue to improve their returns, which it doesn't really jive too well with what consumers are facing right now. It's almost as if they don't feel like they're doing anything wrong. They're just, in their eyes, they have a fiduciary duty to the shareholders, right? Exactly. And it really brings up this kind of interesting debate of whether or not profits are inherently good and Uh. whether or not maximizing profits is inherently good. And I mean, we could go down a million rabbit holes on that topic. But it is interesting. I mean, a a lot of people are kind of talking about this right now. And there are obviously ways to kind of curtail profits. Like we were talking earlier on Slack, I believe, about the UK and Spain, who both have implemented these windfall taxes Hmm. on industries in their countries that have just made crazy profits over the last few months. So I think in the UK, they issued a windfall tax on energy companies. And in Spain, it was on banks just as a way to kind of capture some of this insane profit that they're getting in a time when their consumers and the people that live there are like literally struggling to stay afloat. That takes us to an alternate theory, which is quasi related here. And it's essentially a reversal of the corporate greed theory. Right. And it gets to the heart of what you just said about maybe corporate profits being an underlying problem here. Totally. Greedflation is a fun word. It's also kind of considered a thesis around inflation. And it's something that economists have been talking about a lot lately. And it essentially argues that the presence of inflation allows corporations to do this, right? So if you're thinking about kind of inflation versus corporate profits, you can kind of think of it as like a chicken or the egg problem. And economists have been debating this over time of, you know, what comes first? Is it like maximizing corporate profits or is it inflation? Hmm. With the greedflation hypothesis, people are essentially arguing that inflation comes first and it provides this overlying excuse for corporations to raise their prices. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of people that argue the exact opposite and that corporate profits can actually trigger inflation. Yeah, a recent morning consult poll found that 32% of people consider profit maximization to be the biggest contributor to inflation. It was right around the same percentage of people that attributed it to supply chain issues right now. So obviously like really considered a highly influential factor in this whole equation here. And what makes it hard is there isn't really a right answer. Hmm. Economists have found that there's a correlation between raising profit margins and inflation, but it's unclear if there's outright causality of one causing the other, which makes potential solutions highly contested, highly politicized, 
and really, really hard to agree on. So hmm. I guess here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day, we don't really know what the hell is happening here. Right. Probably case by case basis. Some companies are being greedy. One sector I see a lot of the greed discussion coming from is gas stations. This is a whole different beast. But when the price of crude oil goes way, way up, prices at the pump go up. And that makes sense to a lot of consumers. If, if the price totally. that the stations are paying for their crude oil goes up, it raises the price of the entire supply chain, the refineries, so on, and you have to pay more at the pump. But then when crude oil goes down, those prices still stay high at the pump. <laughs> right. And you know, a lot of people say, well, it's greed, it's greed, it's greed. There are certain cases where you can make that argument, but you know, other cases, maybe it's simply that prices of raw goods are very high. And yeah. these companies are trying their best to keep profits steady for their shareholders create jobs, create all jobs, that good right? stuff that the companies are good for. If you read about this stuff, one of the hardest things to figure out is how to compare different eras of inflation. So the last time that inflation was anywhere near this high, I believe was late 70s. Sure. And I was reading this article in the New York Times earlier today that was talking about how price changes just weren't as common back then, that there weren't as many kind of changes to prices. And it wasn't viewed as much as a strategy for running your business and a way to kind of reap profits. So it's a very different environment than the one that we're living in right now, which makes it really inherently hard to compare. If it was just as simple as looking at profit margins and inflation, then that'd be one thing. It's just in any macroeconomic environment, there are just so many different factors that you can look at especially here. It's, it's really tough to determine sure. <laughs> where the chain of causation starts, as my old law professor would say. <laughs> sure. So let me ask you this, Rob. Let's get super meta here. And I know this is a little bit out there, but part of this discussion kind of just lends the question, are corporate profits inherently harmful? Is that a harmful way of thinking? Like just having profits as your main metric and bottom line? See, I think that's a really, really interesting question. And I think... It's hard to give that like a definitive answer, right? Because there are a lot of things that corporate profits can allow companies to do, and there are a lot of things that companies can do. So not every situation is identical and going to be treated the same. But I think what's so interesting is like asking these questions now. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen so many people kind of challenge these ideas as much as they have been over the last few years. I recently read this article in The Guardian. I think it was called The End of Ambition. Hmm. It was all about people that decided that they were going to work less and not try as hard in their career and essentially just work towards a much cleaner and much more kind of relaxed work-life balance. Hmm. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I think more people are thinking like that than ever. And when you start to see the numbers of what some of these yeah. CEOs are making and what some of these major shareholders are making, it's very easy to get disillusioned. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if going forward, future generations have a much different idea of what kind of capitalism really works for a functioning society. Yeah, you know, putting aside the moral and ethical issues of greedflation, <laughs> right. it's just optically not a good time for corporations to be greedy right now. Totally. People are very dissatisfied right now. People are not only, you know, hurting financially right now to afford these increased costs of living, but like it seems like so many systems are struggling at the same time in this country right now. You know, we have inflation, healthcare, the housing market, and especially young people, morale is at a low point right now, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you talk about like the big three of inflation. It's real estate, 
groceries and energy. Sure. Groceries and energy costs are up about 15% year over year, give or take some. Yep. And I think gas prices are up about 40 to 45% year over year. So those big three costs, which are kind of the biggest things that most Americans are paying for, are way more expensive. Mm-hmm. People are definitely struggling and it doesn't look good when you're a huge corporation like MasterCard or Visa that doesn't necessarily have to raise prices. You're already getting a cut of pretty much any economic activity. And that's an interesting thing too. So hmm. as prices go up with inflation, Visa and MasterCard, even if they kept their prices the same, they'd be earning more because they're usually taking a cut of whatever the transaction is. Right. So in an inflationary environment, they're already making more money. They're already making more. For them to double <laughs> down on that and raise their rate, like that is just like a different level, I think, of corporate greed. That's a great point. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor, Robert Hartwig, our executive producer, Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go and get yourself signed up over at thehustle.co. And we'll catch you all tomorrow.